Hey, beautiful human. Thank you so much for tapping on our conversation with Charlie Jordan. This is a fun one. You're going to learn a lot about her. Plus, we're going to talk music, life, and cannabis, and everything. Literally everything will be covered in this one-on-one. It's going to be fun. Thank you for being here. Please share our podcast with those you care about. Hit subscribe and enjoy. Here's Charlie Jordan. Hi, beautiful human. My name is Zach. That is Dan. Hey. And we welcome to the studio for the first time ever, Charlie Jordan. Hey. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. You are strikingly gorgeous. Oh, wow. Starting off strong. Thank you so much. I mean, like, almost (laughs) like, you know, like, uh, is that creepy? Like, when people say that to you. I mean, I've been modeling for four or five years now, so it's something I hear multiple times on a bi-daily basis. So it's more just like matter. It's kind of just like, I don't really feel like it's a compliment anymore. It's just like, oh, like you look this type of way. And I'm like, great. You're like, yeah, I know. No, I mean, not (laughs) I know, but like, it's, I mean, it's nice. I think it's to be able to accept a compliment is nice. Cause I know a lot of people that are in the position that I'm in and like when people compliment them, it happens so frequently, they actually get really avoidant of it and like anxious about it, which like I totally understand. I actually went through a phase where like I hated when people complimented the way that I looked like right off the bat. Cause I was like, that's the first thing that they notice. What I value about myself isn't what other people value about me. And it was like this whole fucking spiral that I went down. But now I kind of am just like, wow, it's like really nice that someone would even say anything in general. Do you see what they see? No. (laughs) Do you know why people choose you to model? Not really. I feel like I look different every single day to myself. That's just me, though. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Can you understand, I mean, you've done a lot of modeling jobs to say the least. I'm like, I used to get super, I'm kind of like very matter of fact. um, And I would just be like, okay, like psychology wise, like people are attracted to symmetry in people's faces. So I've just come to the conclusion that my face is magical. (laughs) Is that like really what you think about? Yeah. Like I get it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the whole thing with like attraction, I guess. It's just more like symmetry and stuff, but it's cool because the beauty standard has shifted so much over the past like two years especially with TikTok and everything. So I feel like it's really relative at this point, right? Yeah, I, I, I believe that like beauty, like art and music is in the eyes, the ears of the beholder. Like there's mm-hmm. no, it means something different to everybody. Exactly. Right? Some people could think I'm really ugly and I'm like, yeah, great. Like, but, but, you know, I get 50-50 on my socials, honestly. It's like- Well, that's okay. Like, okay. It and really then is? A lot of that is out of jealousy though. Mm-hmm. Could be. I mean, I <laughs> maybe he's looking at the camera like, come on. <laughs> so, um, but thank you for the compliment. I appreciate that. Well, OK, um, this is because you are so much more than looks, as is everybody. My in, like, I'm wondering, like, what do you find attractive? Like when you see another human being? It's a good question. What do you look for? Um, I've never really talked about it on the Internet as of the past couple of years, because it's like. When you first say like, oh, I'm straight or I'm bi or I'm pansexual or whatever, it kind of puts this like aggressive label on you. So I don't really know what my label would be, but I would consider myself more of like someone that's pansexual. So looks straight up like are kind of irrelevant. Mm. People sort of started thinking that I would like only date a certain type of person because I live in the and operate in the influencer space and guys tend to kind of look and act a similar way. But Mm -hmm. for the most part, before I got on social media, like 
I just go straight for your personality. Like as soon as you open your mouth, that's a pretty big indicator for me. Is there like an aura that you're attracted to that brings you over to somebody? Do you give everybody a fair shot then? Everybody's a fair shot. <laughs> like it's more just who puts in the time. I, I feel like relationships are, are work. I don't really believe that you just magically connect with people Hmm. like if you want something to be good you have to put the time and energy into it so i test things out for i think i test people i test people for a while before i'm like okay like this is great like i give everyone a fair shot i'm friends with everyone but for that relationship side of stuff attraction comes with time for me it's never been like an instant just like yes like i've never like looked at someone and been like you (laughs) and that's why like in high school and shit all these girls would be like oh my god he's so hot i'm like i don't know what you're talking about like like you guys are crazy (laughs) but that's why it's been so interesting because i look the way i look and people are so that's something that people focus on so much for me but it's something that i don't really feel at all on the outputting side of it do you want to be tested back yeah but people don't because it's like oh you're you you look a type of way or you're an influencer of this so like you're good and I'm like, what if I'm a serial killer? Like, you would have no idea. Not that I'm a serial killer, <laughs> but some people just let their guard down like way too much for no reason. So, you want to be tested back in a relationship. Do you remember, as, uh, by the way, I also identify as pansexual. Do you remember when you realized that you were pan, not bi, not, um, not gay, not I, straight? I just didn't know there was a word for it. I, I feel like I've always, from a super young age, ever, I would always say like, yeah, like I just have to get to know people. I have to get to know people to like them. I would tell everyone that forever. And it was just never like reciprocated. But yeah, as soon as I, I actually had a best friend who made me realize that's how I was. Um, He actually passed away a couple months ago and we were really, really good friends for like two years. And he became someone that I was super close with. Like, I was like, maybe my soulmate is a pansexual slash gay black man like here we go like I'm like this is who I'm gonna spend the rest of my life with love love you but I just hadn't really wrapped my head around like that like we never had a romantic relationship like that but just how he was and how he operated I was like wow like that's something that I really resonate with and how he connected with people so just made me kind of realize like this is my vibe and this is how and but he was from LA so he'd been more exposed to like what those words meant slash yeah. how you could do that. Yeah, but I was raised Mormon my whole life. So I just had no idea. But like that's, by the way, like that's incredibly special. Yeah. That's having that realization and then also having that same person help you define what it is. That's, you know, it's pretty cool. It's super profound and just weirdly connected. Um, he... I think about it a lot. His name is DJ, and he came to, like, every single show that I had for uh, the first, like, year and a half of me DJing. And, you know, DJ life is crazy. Like, Mm -hmm. it's really hectic. Like, for just a person who's not working with me, who's just my friend, to, like, fly out to every single show, every weekend, four shows a weekend, like, next level. Like, I don't understand. (laughs) By the way, like, that is a a hectic life. (laughs) Even when you're doing it to the highest level, spending the most money to get around. You could be on the most private planes and have the most fleet of cars waiting for you at every stop and like worry about nothing essentially and it'd still be the most taxing, most physically and emotionally demanding weekend or like couple days of your life. But you do that every week. I'm just a human being shuttled around. (laughs) Well, that's it. And you just, I've been a part of like a fly on the wall. 
yeah. had a few different friends like who, who DJ and I just like existed in their orbit for like their Vegas residency mm-hmm. and they like they do this every week sometimes twice a week Yep. and I'm like what the fuck what is this <laughs> this is it's unlike anything I'd ever seen before in my life it's next level and I've really gotten to experience it not even at the highest level level but you're just on your getting way. a taste of it yeah well you just you just started a vegas residency right it's actually been almost two years that i've had a Wait, residency what the now. fuck yeah but like did you bring on something new fairly recently or there's was it a been, new party so i just played at Lollapalooza. i know that yeah um, which was great but so vegas i i signed a two-year residency with them and i'm like a year and a half into it right where now. where are you at zook at resorts world that's it why do i feel like I just maybe got advertised it fairly recently and like didn't honestly the pandemic has also fucked with my perception of time yes I love it still feels like it opened yesterday I don't know why but it's brand new I was born and raised in Vegas as well so I've seen a lot of casinos and clubs come and go and it's just like ridiculous like do you remember chaos no it was a whole renovation (laughs) they did in the palms and they I mean, probably like $20 million plus promised out to artists as like for residencies. Whoa. And then three months into it, they went bankrupt and Gosh. still had to like pay out those artists oh, for those residencies. <laughs> so that happens a lot. Like they get in over their head. Like they literally had Cardi B in the commercial for chaos. Like they were paying all these celebrities for like guest appearances, but they weren't actually pulling traffic to their club. Holy shit. But with... Zook, um, they've done an amazing job. It was it's already an established um, chain that's like based out of Singapore, Resorts World. So. Yeah, and and it's Zed's there. Yes, Zed, Tiesto, DJ Snake. They just brought on an MGK for this next upcoming year. Like what? Really exciting! I know they're crushing it, and I love being a part of that family too. They're really loyal. When you go and DJ in Vegas, does it feel like you're going home, or is it just completely different from your childhood? It's like a whole different world. It's a whole different world. I couldn't do shit growing up. You can't do anything unless you're 21. So. And, and they're strict. Yeah, they're really strict. Like, you will get banned. You will get sued. They will not let you back in. I definitely tried to sneak into Hakkasan. <laughs> definitely made a huge mistake. I was surprised. Even now, they let me back in. I was like, hey, guys. Do they have a photo of you somewhere in the back? <laughs> no, it's crazy. Because um, I'm from Vegas. The owner just knew my mom and was like, get your daughter out of my fucking <laughs> house. <laughs> I was like, that wasn't very smart of me. Like, I'm from here. Well, growing up, near the strip how do you see the strip like how do you how did you grow up seeing what that was in the clubs i just didn't i we would just walk up and down the strip and go steal like four locos from gas stations (laughs) and put them in hydro flasks and get like drunk walking up and down the strip that's all you could do you can't go in anywhere you can't stand at the slots like you can't even be around the gambling area they'll kick you out um but like you grew up like that's where you went to hang out like on the weekend we didn't even really hang out there. We would go hang out at the lake or like there's just nothing to do in Vegas. So um, I did sports. Like I just spent a lot of time playing sports. Um, I did track and field before I did all of this and like uh, was number six in the United States my freshman year of high school. So I just spent my whole youth like training for to be a collegiate slash Olympic athlete. <laughs> Wait, okay. So the, the, and your, your DJ career get started weirdly because like you end up at some like event where you bid on a lunch with some some dj who didn't give you the time of day but he gave you cdjs is that correct 
it wasn't that he didn't give me the time of day. He was a busy guy. You know Blau. Y- yes. He's one of the smartest guys I've ever met, and he just has a lot of shit going on. You can't teach someone how to DJ. In the moment, I was like, you don't have time to teach me how to DJ. But now I'm like, yeah, like it took me literally <laughs> like a year, three years to learn how to do it. So. But by the way, that's the greatest gift. That, was, I mean, come on. It was life-changing. It changed the course of my career, so I still message him I talk to him all the time and just thank him because he was definitely like a mentor for me but he just gave me a whole pair of CDJs and speakers so do you apply the there's a certain type of mentality that's required to be an athlete Mm -hmm. and to definitely do it at the level that you were doing it what do you take from that that you apply to what you do today I swear DJing is like a sport yeah how so (laughs) Like, honestly, and it's even more difficult because you are constantly surrounded by drugs and alcohol. Mm. Um, Obviously, like, it's not as physically demanding or as taxing on, like, a okay, go run X amount of miles or do drills or anything like that. But the repetitiveness of it, the stamina that you have to have Mm -hmm. over multiple days, yes, of jumping up and down for hours, being on stage, running around, flight to flight, barely eating, barely sleeping... It's kind of like a next level pushing your body and it's not necessarily in like the healthiest way. So I wouldn't compare it to sports because sports I feel like are like you're trying to to accomplish a, a goal and obviously you're trying to do that with this, but it's just a lot. It's so overwhelming. I've, I've definitely had my moments where I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Really? Yeah. It's, it's um especially as a female, I feel like with guys, like I know a lot of guys that are DJs that are just lunatics. Like they just go for days and days and days. Um, I'm just a little bit more sensitive. So like if I drink too much, um, I already struggle with depression. I just get so sad. Um, so why don't you just get, get hot? That's what I do. <laughs> that's exactly what I do. But it's crazy because obviously that's not so much the vibe when you're DJing. Like yeah. if I jump on the mic, I'm like, Hey guys, <laughs> <laughs> what's up? I mean, like, sis, I can really hook you up with the po- proper sativa strains <laughs> to get you going. No, like there is nothing that gets your voice louder and just more rowdy than drinking alcohol. Uh-huh. So that's why like you could try to have the same energy, but it's just impossible. So I've just resorted to staying sober. So I have been trying to stay sober sober at least for like the first half of my shows and maybe I'll take like one or two shots but that's it um and I would like to get to a point where I don't have to drink or don't feel the need to drink at all um I was talking to Steve Aoki a little bit ago because he he's sober, is an animal right? he's completely sober and that's why he's able to play so many shows and just is incredible one of my other mentors Cascade is also LDS and Mormon he has like three kids and uh he doesn't drink or smoke either so some of the people that are the most successful um, I think Skrillex is sober as well. Sonny, he's he's really talented. A lot of the people, I mean, they're they're not partying. They're yeah. That that's for the consumers to do, and that's where I have to like. Well, there's a separation. Separate. Myself. It's a job. You're working. Yep, <laughs> but it's hard when you're passionate about something to put it in that category of like mm-hmm. decompartmentalizing and being like, okay, like I'm just gonna show up and play a set because I love it. I could do it for hours. And I will do it for hours. The amount of times over the first year that people were like, you can play longer, and I would every single time. Like, I love doing it. So sometimes I run myself into the ground on accident. How do you prepare for a set, or do you just kind of let it go in the moment? Um, I do a different set for every single show that I play. Um, A lot of DJs just do the same thing over and over again. But I don't know. There's been a lot of discussion for some reason. Not for some reason. I know I've been doing a lot more, but everyone's been discussing, like, is she a DJ? Is she a producer? Is she a songwriter? Like, 
what's the deal there? And by the way, like I think the answer is like the best to do everything. Yes, but to be clear, like at first, especially this first year and a half, like I was DJing. Like that's what I'm good at. I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh, I'm the best producer ever, or the best songwriter ever. I spent so much time in the studio over the past two or three years and I'm now finally like really honing in on my sound and what I want to do, which is really exciting. I've dabbled around with production, which is all the songs that I've released so far, which is more like bass house and like fun club mixes, but getting more serious about like songwriting and singing is definitely my goal. But for every single set, I love DJing. I think it's so fun. I spent hours in my bedroom with the turntables that Blau gave me, just teaching myself how to use CDJs. I would have house parties, Anyone and everyone that knows me knows that I tried in every single moment to DJ as much as I could. I would stand next to DJs at clubs for like an hour, like standing at the, like be like watching them DJ <laughs> to the point where they finally be like, do you want to try? <laughs> be like, absolutely yes, I would love to try. It's really fascinating though. I love, like, I really, I've been really lucky to watch like, I mean, a lot of people. Like I watched Zed a few times, but like one time like really, intimately just watched his show from behind like immediately behind and like the amount of precision and the amount of like, yes energy but also empathy and connectivity that you need to the room because to your point like yes a lot of a lot of dj sets could be the same but on this night in particular i had watched him it was the night that he debuted the uh his do it to it um mm -hmm. Uh, what's it called? Remix? What's yep. it? With A-Craze? Uh, what, what's it called? Squid Games. Oh. Mm -hmm. And he had made it literally like 40 minutes before coming down in the hotel room upstairs. And he was so excited about it. And like I watched him play that and it just, but at the right time and the right moment to set the entire tone, but also change the tone. Like you control an entire room. It's so exciting. With your two hands. Anton is like really, really talented or Zed and he I've gotten to watch him multiple times now and open for him and again also such a smart guy. Any producer I know is like just really smart, very like neurotically organized and successful. Um, but yeah, the amount of I don't know, everyone's like, What are you doing up there and this and this? But like the timing that you have to have um, from like key matching, beat matching, and just having like a natural ear for music, like relative perfect pitch or rel or perfect pitch to be able to like not have to ha wear headphones the whole time and like really hear everything yeah. that's going on. Like when these DJs get to a level where they're just vibing, like that's not, what they're doing is not easy. They're making it look easy because they've done it for years and years and years, but it's 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 really cool. It's a, it's a whole talent within itself, like just mixing. Does it, does it bother you when people think you're not actually DJing, that you're just kind of standing there pl pressing play? It does bother me, but like you wouldn't really know. Like someone could be completely faking it and someone could actually be really doing it. And unless you have knowledge on what's happening, you would have it wouldn't look any different. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. I mean, I, sometimes I watch these DJs and I'm like, are they doing anything? There's yeah. certain, especially because there's a lot of influencers and people from the internet that want to be DJs. And I'm like, do they actually know what they're doing? But I'm like, I don't fucking know what I'm doing. So I can't really accuse anybody of doing something or not. Yeah. You would really just have to be standing next to them and you can see like how he was talking about like the squid games mix or, or things like that. Like you, uh, there's pre-made mixes. A lot of DJs play out pre-made mixes, especially their own at festivals. That's why when people are like, you're playing out other people's music and no, you but use they're pre-made mixes. Like, that's literally it. your job, yes. like as a DJ, is to play. Out. <laughs> but but they like, made it themselves. <laughs> like they worked really hard. There was a whole vision, and 
Yeah, there's, all, there's it's hours. Like yes. that, that Squid Games thing. Like that's like to to hear the similarities in those two songs, right? And be the first person yes. to be like, we're gonna smash this together. Um, that's how I felt. I just did this uh, running up that hill, Kate Bush remix with Calvin Harris's "Blame It on the Night," and it's mm. like such an iconic festival song mixed with this like very very old but now resurfaced. <laughs> old song um and and i was just freaking i remember freaking out of my house i like facetime people i'll facetime like five <laughs> people i'm like listen to this mix i just made real quick um but i would get bored if i didn't do that like if you're just up on stage playing out pre-made mixes and like whatever like there's only certain uh, longevity with that like i wouldn't be doing four shows every weekend every like for a year and a half if i was just doing the same thing every time i go crazy it's like the definition of insanity. Like so, you have to improve and you have to keep doing stuff. So I, now I'm just trying to get to a point where I can like live mix pretty much everything in my set. That would be the goal. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, how do you split your week right now? Like, uh, how do you divide it between making original music and crafting, you know, remixes and doing things, preparing for the weekend? It's honestly been kind of hard to balance it out, but I'm just gone every other weekend. And then during the weekdays, I like I have a studio session tomorrow night. I have a lot of shit going on, so I kind of just got to do stuff where time fits. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to get it a little bit more organized. It was like weekends is obviously DJing. Weekdays are work, right? But then there's zero free time mm -hmm. for anything. Like I don't have a personal life. <laughs> Cause I was like, DJing's fun. Like I was like, that's not work. But then I'm gone for four days, five yeah. days. I'm knocked out for the day after. Cause I'm over jet lagged, whatever. Um, and then I would work doing like social media content during the week, just filming, like pumping out YouTube videos, TikToks, Instagram, fucking Snapchat, Twitter. <laughs> Let's just go down the list of how many platforms there are now. And that just left like, I don't know. You have to be inspired to be able to make music and make content. And, and that's, well, I'm like, I'm not just a human machine that can just pump things out. So that's where I'm trying to like, I'm trying to do a lot more travel so I can have time to do writing camps and like go away and, and make music. So uh. it's not just like as passive and like whenever I can get in the studio, cause I want it to be like a dedicated, I just went to Canada for a week and a half and made like five or six songs. Why Canada? Because a producer that I work with lives up there and he is just, insanely talented he's like classically trained so he could make he went to juilliard so he could make anything from a score for like a classical movie or edm music or Sick. like hip-hop or whatever so we just mess around and have fun but i'm really trying to focus on songwriting and singing so having someone who's really in tune with me that i'm friends with that can also help me build out the production because i already have the melodies and i have very like specific ideas of what i want the songs to sound like so being able to work with someone that I'm friends with that can carry out that idea too is really important. Yeah, once you find it, you know, you don't want to let it go. Yeah, he's great. But I also try to work with other people all the time. Like, I just released this song called Super Soaker with A1. Um, well, it's called Soaker, but it's Super Soaker <laughs> Pussy. Sorry. <laughs> um, but that song, like, we literally, you know, there's all different types of way music can be made. And that was just like two homies linking up making a fun song you know and then there's like me trying to do all this deep stuff with this producer in canada um when i'm here i just try to link up with other producers do stuff for fun do collabs learn sit in on sessions which is also really cool i like just being able to see my friends make music <laughs> what do you bring into sessions that nobody else brings 
bring in like physically or just like to Any, the table? Creatively, energetically. I mean, it all matters, right? Yeah. So writing is like for sure my strong suit just in general, like hooks and melodies are my strength. Um, my mom had her master's in poetry and went to school for writing. So growing up my whole life, she would like take me to poetry slams when I was like four years old and Sick. she would just have me write everything out all the time. So I write a lot and my notes are hectic. <laughs> There's just so much going on in there. Don't look in there. Um, but I write everything out and being able to pull from like, I did poetry at first. That was what I started with. And obviously it's very similar to music. So I've always loved music too, because I made travel videos for a couple years and I feel like um, video editing and production and music and all that stuff go really hand in hand. Like DJing isn't just about mixing for me either. Like I really want to get on a festival circuit and because I love video content so much, like being able to bring my travel video visuals into my sets through uh. production. Like DJing is obviously incredible, but when you have production behind it, like I believe that festivals, like EDM music is meant to be enjoyed at festivals. Like what, you're gonna listen to it in the car, maybe like at your house, like it's just not the same. Like when you have all those people there and everyone can really enjoy it. Um, I started, I got into DJing because I started going to festivals because I was being brought on as like an influencer to help with their production. So I was a part of like EDC's after movies, Coachella's after movies, um, a bunch of other random festivals. Like I went to EDC Mexico and I would help. I was like, had like production passes and everything. I was like helping them film their after movies. And Elenium like had bought video visuals from me in Bali to like use for his set. Like I started selling my video content to DJs that wanted to use it in their sets. So it was just this whole crazy like what? progression of like being an influencer, starting to attend. I like traveled the world for two years, started to attend festivals, got exposed to DJing through those festivals and through filming these DJs and selling my content to them. And then through that network that I had built, I was like, I really want to get into this. And now I'm very interested in just like the message and the stories that these people carry and put out is unbelievable like Elenium makes grown men cry um, I've just never seen anything like <laughs> it in my entire life <laughs> he has a crazy story um, I think he's been public about it we can check after the podcast but he struggled with addiction and has openly talked about it and how he got clean and how he put everything into his music and like I'm a really emotional person so music's just a great outlet for me and I hope at some point I'm able to correctly express that through my music I wanted to release really fun stuff to start because like that's how it started for me. I was 18 in Europe in Ibiza <laughs> just doing the craziest stuff and I, like I wanted to release like some fun clubhouse music so that's what it started with but I do want it to get more serious at some point too. Wait, so this is, hold on, okay. Do you go, like who tells you that you should be on Instagram or posting on social media at all? Like or who do you see? Who tells me? Yeah, like who introduces you to Instagram? Who's like, yeah, have you heard of this thing? Um, no, I was just, I think I was one of the kids, you know, I was like born in 99. So I was like right on that yeah. cuff where when I was probably like 13 or 14, like YouTube and Instagram and all of those apps started becoming like really prominent in my life. So I've been on Instagram I think since I was like 13 years old, um, pretty young, what? just jumping on it to jump on it. I always love taking pictures. I started teaching myself how to edit an iMovie and YouTube. I was a kid that got left alone a lot. I'm the oldest of seven kids. So I was just battling with my aloneness by, you know, searching things wow. on YouTube and going on Instagram and the Se internet kind of raised me a little bit. So. Seven kids and you're Mormon from Las Vegas? Yeah. 
Isn't that like an like an oxymoron almost? It's absolutely the biggest. It's most ironic. Yeah. Situation ever. But what's even more ironic is I moved to Salt Lake City my senior year of high school, and that's when I stopped practicing being Mormon. Oh, okay. Because everyone's Mormon there. That's Temple City, literally. <laughs> yeah. Have you been to Utah? Uh, no, but we are. We were on the radio in Utah, St. George, and Salt Lake for like uh, close to ten years. St. George, I lived there too. Really interesting place. <laughs> yeah, Utah's cool, but I just um, obviously the Mormon religion in Las Vegas was a little wishy-washy but there it's like super intense like people are like culty did you so, did your family move there for mormonism or no. whatever my dad's job just moved but are, are they still practicing you know i don't think so i don't huh. i don't really know um I, I sort of got separated from them when i decided to not practice anymore for a couple of years um we've become close recently again which is great but i think they are practicing but obviously they try to respect like what I believe and what I'm doing as well. So who reached out to who to rekindle that? Um, I would say me, um, just because, you know, I was the younger child and like I, in that relationship, like a parent, daughter, mother, daughter, uh, relationship, like my parents had been split for a long time. So it was really just me and my mm. mom. And then she got remarried but every time I was dealing with something in our family unit, it was with my mom. Um, and we separated for probably like two, two years where we just didn't talk because of what had happened, but it was a culmination of religion, home life, a million other things. Not really anyone's fault, but I just knew I wanted something different for my life and I'm really stubborn. So she was like, get out. And I was like, I will. And I got kicked out of my house three months before graduating my senior year of high school, which is also kind of part of the reason I ended up dropping the scholarship that I had. I signed a full ride to go run at Cal State here, uh, Cal Fullerton. And it was just a tough situation to like continue to try and be an athlete while all these problems were going on with my home life. And it was just too much for me. I didn't have the support that I needed at the time. Um, I could barely get to high school. I could barely graduate because I got kicked out and I was like living like an hour away from my high school. So I just completed all the homework online, walked to graduation virtually by myself, which was super weird to have like gone to school your whole life and then walk. And I like, you know, did all AP classes. I was like, had a full ride scholarship. Like I did everything right. And no one was at my graduation when I walked. Over what though? Ah, uh, my mom just being like no one go <laughs> because she was just holding a grudge which I understand like she ended up showing up super last minute um and some of my other family members kind of like went against what she said and ended up coming but I know that sounds like really harsh in the moment but I think everyone knows like the mother-daughter relationship can be especially because she had me really young when yeah, she was 23 intense. which is the age that I'm at now like I couldn't imagine hey, so are you the older or youngest of seven I'm the oldest of seven that's crazy. So I grew up with her. So it was just a lot of back and forth. But yeah. I think that space and time away from home has like stabled out our relationship now, which is great. But I was also the only girl but in my house. So my mom was very like attached, which was totally normal. But you know. She had six yeah. boys? Oh my uh, God. Four little boys and then two little girls once I was out of the house. Got it. Wow. What was the hardest part to adjust to or kind of unlearn when you decided to leave the church? 
Um, I was super uneducated about how real life works, so I went yeah. through a good year there of just like learning terrible things the hard way. <laughs> but I was also like an adult, which was good, I guess. Like I was 18, 19, like some people, you know, kind of slowly learn that shit throughout your whole life, but it just all, just in one solid year, it was just like, here's everything that you missed out on. It's not that long ago too. Like what you said, you're only 23 now. It was like mm-hmm. four or five years ago at most. Yeah, was not that long ago. But I also, from growing up Mormon, like it's a very, it made me super cautious and just anxious in general. So I don't, even though I was exposed to a lot of stuff, like I didn't really ever fall into anything for too long. I've been very focused on like what I want to do, why I'm out here, everything like that. But do you only realize like being kicked out of your house has to motivate you to do something, right? I wouldn't change what happened at all. Yeah, like weirdly as like, messed up as the whole situation is even you not going through with a full ride scholarship like your dream many people's dream you were ready to do exactly what society wants out of people mm-hmm. and that all not happening and you working so hard I mean you have to be disappointed for at least a minute no disappointed at what at the fact that like what you wanted because there had to be a part of you that wanted to go and like play sports in California and get a full ride, no? And go to school? Yeah, there was definitely an easier, easier option. Um, I just knew that that wasn't going to be permanent. That's what ultimately ended up changing my mind. Like there were a bunch of other X factors. I could have still gone to college. I could have taken that scholarship, but I chose not to and chose to yeah step into this i just knew yeah, like when do you get famous that's what i'm trying to figure out is like are you when did i get famous yeah like are you known at this point <laughs> like when you're choosing to not accept the full ride uh no yeah no. So i had a hundred okay i mean it's it's, a, it's all relative again so i had a hundred thousand followers by the end of my senior year of high school okay which what were you posting travel or yeah Okay. Just travel stuff and like portraits. Remember when like Moody mm-hmm. Moody Ports? I was tagging like a hundred <laughs> accounts in my pictures. <laughs> I had gone to LA and tried to get signed for modeling, and every single agency told me to lose fifteen pounds. Jesus. So I was like, I'm just gonna do nature modeling instead because clearly I don't have the looks that people want. What is nature modeling? Where you take pictures of trees? Literally, like I was doing <laughs> landscape and like very like far away nature shots. If you go into my old photos from forever ago, it's, I only did travel stuff. So like I was doing crazy shit. Like I flew to Whistler in Canada and flew up to some glaciers that are like hundreds of years old. I mostly traveled to third world countries um, just because I obviously didn't have a lot of money. Yeah, like who's paying for this? At the time. Um, me i just started booking so from doing nature photography in utah utah is beautiful um i started getting booked to do shoot like nature brands so like there's this company called ten tree that was in canada for every shirt you buy they plant ten trees and i got really into like conservation work oh cool and modeling um so i was using my instagram to model but it was more to push conservation and wildlife um information so i started working with this do you know who timothy sykes is yeah i know that name so he started a charity and it's called Karmagawa. And at the time there was no name for it, but he was just an individual who was like, it was a very interesting situation. Honestly, looking back, I think it's pretty funny. Like I traveled with all these conservation companies and started pushing this message. And this guy reached out who's a penny stock trader. <laughs> and he was like, I have this charity and I want to bring influencers on these trips 
to bring exposure to these different charities and I was like what's happening like I was like is this legit like what's going on and I looked him up and he was a legit person so I was like interesting one of my friends was going on the trip I was like okay like I'll test this out whatever went on this trip and yeah it was it was wild he just made so much money from trading stocks and had all these courses and he wasn't happy with all the money that he had so he started donating like every time we would go to places and all over Mexico we went to South Africa to the Dominican Republic he would donate anywhere from like 10 to 20 thousand dollars to these small like organizations that will last them years like literally years worth of money and it was just the coolest experience of my entire life and I went into it being just very like I don't know what's happening and then as far as like the other travel that I did like I said I would just book modeling jobs they're required to pay for your flight there and back (laughs) I wouldn't always go there and back I would have them book me oh from here all the way across the country and now send me here which is the next place I want to go and then I would just figure it out um it was very like very ballsy on my part I don't know honestly looking back now I'm like girl (laughs) like you had some energy like that's crazy I, I really was just spending so much time in the airport just trying to make all ends meet and it's crazy because on the internet it looked like I was living like this like beautiful dream life and I was like stressed as fuck trying to figure out everything and at some point that dream life that I was posting about did become my reality full time which was beautiful yeah so like have the two like the more you've been on social media has it become more derivative of what you actually go through on a day to day it's actually gotten worse I think over the years I think right now social media more than ever is not representative of what not not what people go through because people have gone through this whole phase now of like trying to be relatable um and I think that you can be relatable you know like sitting down and talking about everything is great but I feel like words only like go so far and that the internet definitely also can become like a time suck of where you're just like not really living your life and actually going out and doing stuff you're just sitting there talking about things and you get famous someone blows up for one thing and then all of a sudden it's like their full-time job or their full-blown personality trait yeah. I've I've never I never would have imagined after being made fun of for doing social media when I started doing it that so many people would want to be a part of it now like every single person has an Instagram account I'm like that's crazy like I used to get made fun of just for having Instagram so it's like wild but that's how it always goes right like things that are prominent or relevant kind of go through this phase where everyone's just like shits on it oh, and then next thing cool. you know it's mm-hmm. like the biggest thing ever so I don't know the social media is in a weird place now <coughs> I think everyone's been talking about do you really use Instagram or mm. TikTok a lot or anything like that oh I use TikTok all the time yeah like I- I'm on my free page or consuming oh I consume Dan does the posting yeah <laughs> I haven't posted on my own personal in like three years really yeah that's probably nice it's really nice it's just very stressful to try to find the right photo and it's like what am i stressing about like i'm not fucking doing this anymore yeah i truly use social media because i like taking pictures and making videos that's why i tell people because people just complain about social media i'm like if you don't like it don't do it exactly no one's forcing on you no one literally no one is forcing you um but people get wrapped up in the drama and like that is a big side of tiktok slash just social media that i was like what is going on I got into it to avoid traditional media, and now it's now the most it is traditional. traditional media. <laughs> so I'm like, hmm. It's actually grossly traditional. Yeah. Yeah. How weird was it though? Like during the pandemic, when these influencers and you were part of it were like being followed by paparazzi. You guys were like a-listers for a while. How weird that was, was that time? So weird. Yeah. <laughs> I actually 
yeah that was so funny because like i was pretty anti-tiktok when it came out and then i was like okay like i was like this thing's here to stay adapt or die i'm like i need to figure this out or i'm gonna fall off like this wow. is crazy that was um, us <laughs> i actually have grown to love it a lot and Me i really too. like it now um i like the authenticity in it and what you see is what you get there's not a lot of photoshopping or anything crazy like that but yeah i started hanging out with a group of people that were very heavily involved in tiktok and again i'd been on instagram for like two three years at this point and i had never had anything like this happen to me in my life mm -hmm. Wait, i don't understand why it skipped a generation why didn't that happen to people on instagram but do you have do you still have your own agency for instagram influencers no i don't i did that for a little bit that was great void yeah that was so long ago wow how do you have that info that's crazy i mean look at you <laughs> Um, yeah, that was something that I, I honestly only did that for probably three months. I was 19 and I was like, I really want to start this agency and I successfully did it. It was more for the trips. I wanted to host my own trips after Tim had done his uh -huh. like charity based ones. I was like, I want to do a version of this. Well, you could, by the way, I think you were ahead of the time because like now a lot of brands just send influencers on trips that is sponsored from the second they leave their house. Pretty much, and there's a crazy mold for those trips now. They're all very similar. Um, there's not really a purpose to it besides to push the clothes, and that's what yeah. my problem has kind of become. So that, I'm actually hosting my own trip in a week and a half. Wait, what? For my brand, Beauty and Pain, that I have now, um, and I'm gonna start trying to I'm not going to sit here and claim that I'm going to like fix influencer trips, but I, I want to make them more meaningful where it's like smaller groups of girls where the focus is on the individuals and like their story and why they're at where they're at. Because all these women are doing incredible things. That's why I'm like, why are we just plopping them in clothes and putting them through like these commercials and whatever? I don't know. They're, they're all entrepreneurs. They're all people who've done their own things. Like even in the Revolve trips, like Olivia... Mm. Kualpo, whatever, started her own clothing line, is like a mother, like Shay Mitchell is ridiculous. Like I, I love being surrounded by these women that are like literally doing everything, having children, running businesses, just being boss ass women. I'm like, yes, I love this. And I want to shed light on those stories more. And that's what I'm gonna try to do with my trips. I also found this very interesting. You can go iPhone photo on Instagram for three years. <laughs> Yep. You only posted professional photography. Yep. Three years straight. Mm-hmm. Wow. Do we do we like the iPhone camera? I got it so much. The only thing I like about the iPhone camera is when you're shooting in broad daylight, the adjustments and the lighting settings that they have on there make it look like you're not shooting in broad daylight. Like it's unbelievable. What do you do you guys know what it is? It's like the H it's not the HDR or the L Ellie, whatever, but it's it's an abbreviation, but whatever lighting correction they have for broad daylight is unbelievable for iPhone. But used to, hated iPhone content, couldn't stand it. Anyone that posted selfies, like, do you remember when people, like, literally, let me take a selfie, it was a fucking joke, and now yeah. it's all the content that you see. Do you understand what's happening? Like, it was a joke. The chain smokers literally made a fucking joke out of it, and now people are literally walking around with selfie sticks like it's normal. Anyways, no, I don't like iPhone content, but it is a lot easier, and I can't believe that brands pay people the amount of money that they do just to receive an iPhone commercial. 
question your first dj where do you consider it happening was that the academy in los angeles or was it somewhere else yes that was my first big dj set in la what about myrtle beach never been there what is this m-u-r-t-l-e beach yeah i know where that is <laughs> that's in north carolina though right that's what that one smells why what my producer could have spelt it wrong claudia Little beach she's listening in the other room don't Do, know what that is did you dj in north south carolina no never in your life uh academy was where i had my first show in la yeah first big show i also dj'd at this club in barcelona called Sutan. that was probably like the first like time i had to use cdjs at a club did you set that up like who pitched you for that show me you called the promoter and was like yo let me in yeah Sick. <laughs> no, so what's funny is obviously because I do social media, when I first started wanting to DJ, there were a lot of people that were offering me things just because of that, which it was pretty apparent, but I was still like excited. I was like, I really want to DJ and I really want to do this. Like, why wouldn't I take this offer? But there were just a couple situations that I got put in where I didn't have the know-how or the knowledge that I needed and people were just placing me there because I was an influencer. Mm. So that happened probably two times where I got up and played some shows where I was like, that was fucking garbage. And I was so <laughs> embarrassed and I cried so hard afterwards that I was oh, like, really? I'm never gonna do that again. Well, like not DJing, but I was like, I will never let that happen again. Like I will never walk onto a stage and play a show and not be prepared. Cause that was fucked. <laughs> Is that the reason you, you thought you were ill prepared or you just didn't know yet? I just didn't know. I hadn't spent enough time um, practicing, but people because you know, like when I talk about, oh, I want to DJ, I want to do this, like people are very eager to put me in anything. Like as an influencer, I get offered every single job that exists in the entire world all the time just because people want exposure for their businesses. Mm -hmm. So it's promote this random product, promote this random product, come show up to this random event and support this. Like anything and everything that exists, people want to be involved with an influencer because it's pushing marketing so and people to your product. You have to sift through all that to really kind of cement and like keep clear pieces of legitimacy right like because you want to be a real artist I really want to be a real artist and that's why I yeah my team and everyone have been extremely clear and yeah I do have to sift through and test people that I work with as well because I don't want them to hire me because they think I'm some hot influencer girl that they can just have come to their club and then they have ulterior motives for why I'm there. Cause that's a really uncomfortable situation for me to be put in as well, that my team has to be super aware of. Cause as a female, there's not a lot of female DJs already. Most of the music totally. space is male dominated. When I show up to a club and you know, this is how it goes and like, I'm not shitting on the industry at all, but it's like, oh, this dude bought a table. He can do whatever he wants. I'm like, ah, no, 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 mm -hmm. no, that's not okay. But that's how it goes. So I try to have women on my team. Um, and with me because that helps because sometimes guys just like don't see that stuff having security and then making sure that I never am put in those positions because it's just so uncomfortable for me. So you want to make music like when does music as an actual reality creep into your head? Um, this next year. I love mixing. I've loved DJing but like I said I have been spending a lot of time on singing and writing and I'm working on an album right now. So you know well, who's to say what is going to happen with that but where you're you're, you're writing it and you're going to lend your voice to it mm -hmm. are you producing it um no i have a hand in some of the production but for the most part it's mostly just all writing and all singing 
when which during, is a shift for you, sure oh uh, yeah yeah <laughs> because you haven't been you haven't lent your voice to anything right am i wrong um it's my voice is in this new record actually all my songs that are out um so inner bloom is my voice also wrote on that um black Strap molasses is my song so is soaker uh the first verse is a one second verse is me have you thought of taking the other approach which is finding other vocalists to bring the songs to life absolutely i still want to do that as well that's why i would love to write for other people like like i said writing is definitely my strength i am working on my voice because i feel like i have to obviously be able to sing what i'm writing to again carry across the melody the key the tone the idea i had no idea i listened to all the songs i had no idea that was you yeah i've definitely heavily influenced my vote like the effects on my vocals on some of the songs so you wouldn't really be able to tell it's me like black Strap molasses is warped um but yeah inner bloom is fully my voice on the chorus of that song so i've i love singing but people are just really fucking brutal about it um as you know but i just kind of kind of yeah i have to take that because it's like i'm i am learning like i'm learning and i'm growing and people just poke at me the whole time anytime i make any mistake well but, what made you want to respond to the dude on tiktok that called you a porn star who didn't deserve <laughs> a spot at a festival that was hilarious um <laughs> Everyone kind of picks me apart from music stuff, so I wasn't necessarily responding to that. That's why some people in the video were commenting like, oh, you missed the point of what he was trying to say. I understand what he was trying to say, but clearly, again, like, I don't have to defend the fact that I'm an artist or a DJ because mm -hmm. I wouldn't be getting booked for these massive slots. Like, there's only so high you can go faking it. We've seen a lot of influencer DJs try to transfer into that space, and they haven't even made it as far as I've gotten so clearly there must be some sort of yeah. X factor right and I hate to you know even have to explain that or justify that because I just shouldn't have to I was more responding to his disrespectful ass comment calling me a porn star yeah it's fucked up like if you want to critique my music and you know say whatever go for it I'll be right there with you but um trying to call me a porn star or like being sexist like that of like oh she does OnlyFans so she can't be a DJ like that's what I was responding to which was just ridiculous like I, I don't understand but as I get more exposure that stuff happens mm -hmm. so much more frequently and that's the part with like the hate of things where I, you just kind of it's like very 50 50 like people really love what I do and fuck with what I do and when they've seen my set they're like so supportive and then there's people that are just so against it um but that's how I feel like everything I've ever done has been so but I'm like, how against it can you be? Like, I'm having fun exactly. DJing. Like, what's your problem? Like, why are you going so out of your way, right? That's where I'm just like, maybe you're just secretly a fan. It's fine. <laughs> Do you think internet <laughs> drama or like scandals and things like that, are they good or bad for the music side of things? It used to be bad for sure, but I don't think anyone cares anymore. Because no one even holds anything that happens on the internet as very relevant besides people in the social media space. Mm -hmm. Which is something that I've also noticed there's people that have done a hundred thousand times worse things in every other industry that are still successfully operating, but they're not getting canceled because they're not all over the internet, right? Influencers, it's a very, very harsh, like, people, there's this whole thing of like, whatever age you blow up at on the internet is like where you stay. Mm. Because people really do like put you in this box and if you change in a way that they don't like, it removes you from the space like it's all what people want to see they want to see a story they want to see a success like growth or they want to see you fall they don't want to see you be stagnant they don't want to see you make or they do want to see you make mistakes and there's like all these things that where you just have to start paying attention to your behavior are you doing it because you want to do it or are you doing it because the internet said so 
because the comment said so are you like subconsciously changing your behavior who you're hanging out with mm. because of what the internet told you is good or bad and like i've just seen way too many people completely lose themselves scary like today would you release a, another breakup video oh my god okay <laughs> i absolutely not i've separated myself from my social media so much but there was a point i loved my job and i loved i was so authentic so honest like whatever happens to me everyone else knew about because mm -hmm. i wasn't close to my family right i was like the internet's my family yeah, I, I get that <laughs> i i mean you laugh about it but i i very much i this microphone is like the exact same for me i totally get it yeah it's a cathartic experience like when you meet other people or can talk to other people that are like i relate to you uh, i see this thing as a being like yeah. i I mean, I've been on the radio for 15 years and I only started a radio show because nobody would talk to me for months. So I figured out how to do it on the internet because I just had so much pent up to say. So everything and anything from that moment on 15 years ago has been... That's so I incredible though. Like as someone recently came out, the creator of TikTok or whatever, it could have been a completely false thing on the internet, but it was saying that like social media was made to help support people that are like mentally ill. Yeah. And I was like... Mm. or not mentally ill like there's obviously that's a very um vast word right for like mm -hmm. people that struggle with like depression anxiety like it was made for people that can't handle a desk job essentially is what he was saying like people that aren't good at like the day-to-day -day routine stuff because with social media and any type of entertainment you kind of have a lot of freedom like way more freedom than you normally would oh, or should ever be given <laughs> yeah to the point where yeah no one's holding you accountable for anything and you could just sit in your house for three weeks and not move and no one would check on you you're like great this is awesome but it's that's also the power right there and if you can just learn to have balance in your life like i feel like that's key with everything like you could go into a wormhole about instagram about music about any of these things but i just like to have balance between all of them i love doing a bunch of different things like DJing is amazing but love taking pictures making videos I have two companies I am super adventurous I just went and jumped off the Malibu Dam two days ago I'm so sore <laughs> it was great <laughs> what role does cannabis have in your life ah uh, yes weed <laughs> um, cannabis has changed my life because I just am a high anxiety person don't know if it's clinical or if it's trauma-based oh. but could be a healthy mix of both <laughs> you love a mix love a good mix love a hybrid um <laughs> i mean honestly maybe like on a sunday afternoon i like a hybrid <laughs> and that's it i smoke so much weed that it doesn't matter what strain i smoke anymore no no that's a lie i'm telling you <laughs> i smoke probably more than you and i don't want to be that guy that like don't I'm, worry we'll have We'll have you on the Smoke Roses show. I, I, you know, I used to not really be able to do that because I was on like real radio, like mm -hmm. like pop radio stations in like the most red states in America. So I always was like afraid to do things like that. But I, I've watched that show a bunch, your show where you get people high and you whip <laughs> out something that I had owned back in New Jersey, which is the famous gas mask. Absolutely. Classic plastic bong because you can't put a glass one in there it's the cheapest piece you can buy honestly it hurts yeah it's disgusting <laughs> but like you really come out with deep red eyes like that's what it does it gets your eyes high it, it i don't know who thought of that but it's kind of the worst idea but it's sick and there's so many other contraptions on there that we do i tried to get like 
a Keith Haring dab rig. So there's like art piece dab rigs. And That's then, sick. Um, I handcrafted with one of my friends who's a, uh, his name is Mason. I'm like, he's not a Mason. He's a <laughs> carpenter basically. And he builds just like crazy things for people. Uh, he built like Katy Perry's hamster ball oh. and like anytime any like YouTuber or celebrities like I want this ridiculous thing he's like I'll build it but he helped me build a 4x8 plexiglass hot box oh my god I was sick yeah. I'm I just sitting there I would love to go in that it's a smoke box and I literally <laughs> attached a shop vac to it sick that I put a bowl attachment onto more like a funnel like a cooking funnel so it's like huge like it could hold like a lot of weed and i put there the vacuum in reverse and i suck all the smoke wow. into the box so what do you, you just have to stand I, I mean like that's a dream actually do you have it at your house uh so i'm moving sets right now i actually haven't filmed the show in a couple months um but the smoke box has broken unfortunately sad oh. to inform the trying to move it part didn't work so we're gonna do an upgraded smoke box in the future so i have a bunch of questions about cannabis in your life um like i want to know like what what do you have like a, what do you start your day with what do you smoke to start your day and wake up it kind of changes but periodically so i have my organic rose petal joint cones yes those are a great way to start the morning because like i don't want to do anything crazy like Backwoods have tobacco in it, and I just mm. want to start it off like clean. So I'll smoke my rose cones in the morning. What kind of strain, though? Mm. So I always get hybrids just because the sativa makes me a little bit too jittery, uh. and the indicas make me want to eat food for three hours straight. <laughs> so I do a hybrid uh, always. I don't really care. So, I mean, if, if I know you're like, oh, it does matter, like, and for sure, you can't find like a weed that you like and prefer but from a marketing standpoint in the cannabis space names and names of strains are irrelevant they are basically having 10 people sit down smoke that strain and they're like did that make you awake or tired and then based on that survey like that's how they label it and they come up with some phony name that's supposed to get you to appeal to buy it but for the most part because it's been so crossbred every single strain has been like shipped somewhere got from somewhere else like there's no such thing as a pure sativa or pure hybrid that okay i can th th what you're saying is true yes to i think a certain degree because yes you can generalize a brand of like okay candescent is a, one of my favorite brands in los angeles and they sell strains by like cruise charge connect calm mm -hmm. all c's general branding but you can look and see where those strains come from, what they're cross between, like a Jack Rare, like a pure Jack Rare. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're right. It's like not pure, 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 but like there shouldn't be any fucking indica in that. No, that's true. And that's why there are some brands that are doing it really, really good. The some. marketing is beautiful. Like Dosist is awesome. Um, they're another super clean, yeah. healthy brand. They confuse me because like at the end of the day, like they, it's dosed out your hits which is cool but like if you hold in a hit long enough like like if you hit it hold in a hit longer it will affect how high you get yeah <laughs> but like they don't attest for that anyway they're great but what's funny about all that okay <laughs> i smoke so much weed you're telling me i'm supposed to spend that much money on that branding and that packaging every single time i go to a dispensary i do I buy my weed in bulk. 
I buy it in huge bags. Really? So I think we're purchasing weed differently. Well, okay, but that is true. As like you can only buy seven eighths like, in a day. I get it from Costco a farm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, from Costco. So you, but like, how long does that last you? And does it stay moist? Like, what is? What, does it stay moist? Yeah, where do you, moist. Where do you keep that? Um, there's different ways you can keep cannabis moist. <laughs> <laughs> um, everyone kind of has different tricks for it. There's like obviously like humidifiers, right? Like you can just have your weed in a room that's not really fucking dry and then you're fine. Like do you keep it in a giant Tupperware? Yes. Tupperware and then you can put, I know this is like weird, but people put bread. Oh, interesting. In, and it sucks the moisture out of the bread and it goes into the cannabis see i've genuinely mm. been thinking about buying in in weight weight because i mean like i will go to a dispensary and i'll buy seven eighths of like the the most expensive cannabis that they sell mm -hmm. source candescent great brands great trains but i'll max out and it's a fortune if you need a plug yeah <laughs> Death. i got you would you say he's getting scammed and ripped off yes mm. Ooh. wow I would say that you don't know where that weed's coming from. It can say whatever it wants on the package, and I, you don't know how long it's been sitting in that dispensary. No, no, no. I know the dispensary. I track how they get shipments every other week. <laughs> Honestly, the, again, there are 100%, I'm sure, no, the brand all, that you're getting source, from is You've great. never heard of Source? No. Oh, they're fin Oh, my God. Yeah, they're great. Yes. And again, I know that there's like higher up brands i i was super into obviously like clean consumption of weed that's what i was focused on because just like fruit organic non-organic it it how it's grown matters yeah um so i got into all of those really nice companies the eco-friendly clean and like i love everything that they're doing um but obviously like i started working on my cones which then I was like, okay, there's technologically advancing where people are making these like crazy contraptions and pens and vaporizers, which I think is really amazing, but there's still like that battery element to it, which just sort of felt unnatural to me for some reason. Totally. So I really started reverting into more like elements from the earth and things that are naturally provided, which is why I started to smoke roses because it's just organic rose petal cones. Um, that's why I like blunt wraps a lot. I smoke backwoods. That's mostly probably what I smoke um, <laughs> which is a tobacco leaf but I smoked that for a long time then I was like why hasn't the United States adopted any other plants like there's so many other consumable plants that you can smoke there's lavender there's rose petals I have goji berry cones as well oh wow um, I'm gonna be making cacao leaf cones so it's like literally smells and tastes like chocolate mm. um, so who, who do you do cones need to be produced the same way cannabis is? No, right? No. No. Oh my God. So what's amazing it's a great about business. my <sighs> business is that it's a smoking accessory. So yes. I don't fall under the restrictions of what selling oh. cannabis would be. Which is so hard. As I've, it's so hard. It is so difficult, so expensive. I did want to release my own cannabis product for a long time and I tried. No, no. Still maybe would in the future like partner up with someone but actually undertaking a whole no yeah company of like i'm going to start this myself go to ridiculous. wonder go to wonder brett and do like a strain exactly yeah they just did one with russ i saw that it's fire chomp it's a good sativa yeah yeah i love wonder brett there's a lot of brands you know one of my friends has like fire here in la i think they're a little bit more like of an la weed company and then um you know, the raw guys, like I got really close with mm. all of them. They're super cool. So who do you make your cones with? Um, so we have our, everything is in house. Um, so we source from, the product's never been made before. 
Um, Sick. So we had to source everything individually. So like we get our cones from Indonesia. We get the uh, little packing stick from a completely different spot. We get the paper on the inside from a completely different spot. We um, the packaging, these mylar bags, like trying to transport rose petals without them breaking. <laughs> figure it, like figure it out. Like it's so hard. It took me a year to figure it out. Um, but yeah, I truly was just high out of my mind one day when I had this idea and I could not believe that I was, my company was the first company to successfully sell and ship a pre-made rose petal cone. I'm not the first person to come up with the idea of smoking rose petals, but I'm the first person to successfully ship them to you so that you can smoke it instead of baking it in your oven for three hours trying to make it at home. Baller. Nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was so high and I was like, I really want a rose petal blunt. Went online, I was like, you're telling me not a single person sells this? Like, I was like, I just have an original idea. Like, you're kidding me. Like, there's no way. I was like, there's just no way. Um, so yeah, I spent the next year and a half getting that out. And honestly, it was pretty difficult, but still, still a work in progress. Still, the cannabis space is super behind, I feel like, so. Yeah, we'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I mean, I love cannabis. No, it's great. Have Who? you talked to the happy face peeps? No, who's happy? What? No, Happy Face. They're like a CBD company here. I don't know if you've seen like David Dobrik always wears oh, those caps yes. with like the smiley face on it. Yes, yes, it's yes. It's a CBD company, but they've kind of like disguised that they're a CBD company because they push their merch so heavily. Oh. So the hats and the shirts with the smiley faces on it is a CBD company. Interesting. Yeah, I was like, you're doing a really good job. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it up. Like marketing something that, and he's he actually has cannabis products. I'm like, wow, like you're getting huge people to be involved in this yeah that's awesome because that's always my goal i'm like i want people to feel comfortable smoking on camera obviously my show is a bit excessive but <laughs> everything else everyone's like i don't want to be high and i'm like why not like it's awesome you're your normal self all the time like just have fun for five seconds and relax but, who introduced you to cannabis <sighs> there was a lot of people but it was kids in utah for sure which mm -hmm. is again super ironic i just got into like the snowboarding skiing culture up there and everyone up there smokes a lot so i think the first time i smoked weed was in um a byu college dorm room <laughs> <laughs> really <Yeah. laughs> sorry byu <laughs> that's like a huge campus violation <laughs> um but yeah in provo which is like oh the most mormon spot you could be i'm a big go against the grain <laughs> person like anytime anyone's everyone's doing something i'm like i'm just gonna go do the exact opposite so everyone there was mormon i was like i'll smoke um but yeah the first time i had a bong i definitely almost threw up and it happens everyone's always like how do you smoke so much weed but definitely wasn't always like that like you remember the first time you smoked like yeah it was a joint could you like be in public no no i rolled down a hill what? <laughs> what yeah. do you mean? I like was walking up my hill and I was smoking a joint with my friend and then I just laid down and then I rolled back down the hill I just walked up. So you rolled up and then you rolled down. Yeah, hey. Hey, <laughs> see what you did there. <laughs> oh my God. Who is Coach Teller to you? Coach Teller? Like. That's somebody that matters. The first guy that ever coached me for hurdles? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what's crazy is I um I went to three different high schools. So I had three different coaches. Oh, wow. So he was great, but I actually ended up leaving 
that high school because he got a little hyper fixated on my hurdles career and was just like way he got freaky um you know when coaches just get like way overly involved and like he would get mad at me over things that were just like not he shouldn't be getting mad over i don't know um and yeah i just got a little it like crossed the boundaries to where i was feeling like stress on myself as like a student and like as a person oh it was pressure yeah like he was making me run four events every single track meet which See, like, yeah coaches can get weird well because like to be honest like it is fucked up but like this motherfucker who like has given a big portion of his life to this is like great athletes don't come along every day no and you were really great right <laughs> I just sat forward and my top came undone. Can you come help wait, me wait. hook it back together real quick? One second. <laughs> How did she figure that out? Wow, I love that. No, you personally thanked him a lot on Instagram in high school. Yes, I did. He he definitely like pushed me a lot to... He was the one who was like, you need to do this Olympically. Like, you need to do this as a career. And he pushed me, he trained me, and he taught me everything that I knew, and he was incredible. But yeah, when it gets to that point, again, I already had a lot of stuff going on at home had a lot going on in my life so for a coach to be getting mad at you for showing up like I was showing up late for very like valid reasons and I was missing practices for valid reasons and it wasn't me just fucking off and it turned into like you're not taking this seriously da 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 da, da just like way too harsh for no reason I was also doing club practices outside of mm. high school so two track practices every single day that's ridiculous. Um, I don't know if you know who Randall Cunningham was, but he was the kicker. No, the, quarterback. The quarterback for the Eagles. Yeah. And he was my club coach for three years in Nevada. Wait, what? Yeah. So he has a club track team in Nevada called uh, the Gazelles. <laughs> he used to be an NFL player, moved to Vegas, became a pastor, started a track team. What the fuck? I was a part of that track team, and then his daughter currently is still, like, is training for the Olympics, has been in the Olympics. She holds the high jump record, not so, record, but her name is Vashti Cunningham. She's, like, 6'2", just insane. Was that on the list of things you wanted to do, was go to the Olympics? Yes. I just was just at the track a couple of days ago. I still run hurdles for fun. I'm really fast. What is the sport? Smoke, smoking not, doesn't affect running? I think it affects long distance running mm. for sure. Not like sprints or anything. Mm -mm. But what does that mean to you now? Like it has to have a different meaning, like going to the track and just running because you want to run as opposed to having to. It's way better. That's for sure. Um, a lot of the things in my life, I don't know if I just have like aggressive ADHD, but they all seem to have pattern and like beat. So like running is just like music. It's the same. It's a pattern. It's a beat. And yeah. if you can keep that pace you will win <laughs> if you can keep a pace and track like that's basically what it is it's not getting tired so like the 300 meter hurdles record was just broken recently um what's her name i literally can't remember but it was just crazy watching her run like to have stamina not only that but like get quicker throughout the race is also really crazy so i i run now because all these things that i do especially the beat repetition and pattern repetition things makes my brain feel just like calm that's why i do it music i zone out running i zone out it's like something i know it's repetitive it's like i know i'm good at it i know i can do it over and over again and it's like improving on it every single time that's why I, with djing i can do it over and over and over again because i'm improving same thing with running like 
it's all just beat oriented which i've tried to like kind of piece together what that mm-hmm. means but i'm not really sure that's routine i guess speaking of beat repetition what inspired uh soaker <laughs> um soaker was supposed to be like a fun summertime track uh so that producer that i was talking about earlier um we have been working together for a year and a half now um we always just send each other projects that we're working on and stuff like that and he sent me that one and i was like i know this girl because i'd met her before um her name's a1 i met her through austin mahone he's in the video yeah <laughs> wasn't yeah, he yeah. that's a fun him the male lead in the video that's why like a lot of these projects like yes there's getting in a session and like being like i'm gonna put this intense message into this song and like you know you can have a very artistic view on it but this song again like was just super fun we all got linked up through mutual friends and she's an amazing female rapper i've wanted to do a hip-hop house hybrid for a long time i like doing that with all of my house music um moving forward that's the cool part about edm is like you can literally work with any genre and put anything mm-hmm. into it um i love lewis the child i love Weathen. i love all those artists that do like those hybrid versions of things um so that was kind of my goal with this was to step like i've never done anything that's remotely hip-hop at all so it was just stepping into that space and like getting in a session with her seeing how she records how she sings and then um i wrote well she wrote her part i wrote my part and uh the rest is history we got in there and it was just so much fun we were literally she's a big smoker too so we were just smoking blunts singing super soaker (laughs) and uh the song turned out great why is it important for you to put your own voice on these records and not somebody else's um because that's my stamp that's my originality like there's no other voice that sounds like it your voice is your voice so for me um that's another when you're like oh what do you bring to the table like being able to use my voice sonically like that's my signature so that's why it's important to me and because i also love singing um i've been singing my whole life but singing in front of people is way different than singing by yourself and it has taken me a couple years of being in the studio recording on microphones to finally feel comfortable being able to do that so the fact that like that first song that i put out i was sitting on that inner bloom song that i sang on for a year because i just couldn't i was like this i don't sound right i'm not i was picking myself apart like aggressively like especially because every time i put something out it's not just like maybe some people will see this it's like a guaranteed x amount of people are going to see this so don't fuck it up i was being so harsh myself i've wanted to sing from the beginning but everyone just makes me feel like it's something that i can't do um so now i like just don't really give a fuck at all about what people are saying and i'm like i'm gonna sing on this song if you like it great if you don't whatever i'm gonna continue to work on my voice and continue to build my um artistic career and at whatever speed that goes we'll see but all I know is that I love creating. I love being in the studio. I can be in there for hours. Same thing with like the beat repetition. Like I love building a song. Progressive house was something that I love. Like just being able to add instrument after instrument after instrument. And I've just realized I already spent a lot of time on screens for video editing, for Instagram, for everything. So spending even more time on a production screen is just a little bit draining for me. So I really value the real music or not the real music, but the physical music production side of it so actually playing piano actually singing actually um writing the song being in a room with other people yes i like having groups of people in the studio like it's supposed to be this like again creative transformative process 
But a lot of DJs and a lot of producers will sit on a laptop for eight hours in their bedroom by themselves and uh-huh. make a banger. So like, it just kind of depends. Again, there's not a right way to do it. And that's what I had to realize. Like everyone tries to be like, this is how you're supposed to do nah. this and this, but there's not a right way. It's just, I'm just trying to have, to enjoy this process. <laughs> you and know? find what's right for you. Exactly. Um, and it's been great because I finally have found those people and that'll probably change again. You know, things change, shit happens, but it's been really cool. Um, I'm getting in the studio with A1 tomorrow and we're probably going to release more tracks, which will be cool. Um, and then this year is filled with a lot of really exciting collab collabs that I can't really talk about. Um, I haven't done collabs at all up until this point because I felt like it would, again, be like an unfair advantage for me. Like I've had so many quote unquote celebrities up in my DMs being like, let's make music. And I've said no to all of them. Who? I, I'm not gonna say, I'm, I'm not, but um, any collabs that do happen with me are because I genuinely like respect or have a relationship with that artist and that's like what I want it to be. I don't want it to just be, ah, uh, you could be placed on this track or it's like, hey, just show up and just sing this. Like, you know, cause people try to do that mm-hmm. a lot. All the time. With pretty much every influencer that exists. Like, I'm not sure if they're involved in the process from beginning to end. Like, you don't really know, like whether I'm, you know, fully the producer, fully the singer, songwriter, whatever, like I will be, I will try to be there. I will be in the studio. I'll be part of that process um, from beginning to end. Maybe not some of the production stuff with vocals, like mixing and mastering is like a whole other yeah, of course. other thing. But I like to be involved. I like to be part of the process because every single moment of that counts. Like the bass idea, the the chorus, getting the hook. I really love writing hooks. That's definitely, like I said, my strength. Well, there's a link in the description below for you to listen to all of Charlie Jordan's music. Tune in, listen to it on Amazon Music. Super Soaker. Yes. What's the other word on there? The other word? Super Soaker what? It's just called... <laughs> the song's called Soaker, but the chorus is Super Soaker Pussy, you know. That's it. He said, what's that word? Um, yeah. forgot, he forgot the word pussy. Yes, forgot the word oh. pussy, just on accident. <laughs> Escaped his mind. I don't even, I really, I would not even know what it was if it hit me in the face. Uh, no, so. yeah. Go listen to all my music on, on all the streaming platforms on Amazon, and then... Uh, <laughs> You know, all the music that I've come out with, like I said, has been so much fun. It's been club music, bass house, and then I'm really excited this next year to be releasing more uh, pop EDM oriented music. Bass house. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for coming. Great talks, guys. Appreciate you. Deep combos. Hey there, beautiful human. You made it through our conversation with Charlie Jordan. Thanks. I really appreciate you giving us your time and energy today. It really means a lot. Please let us know who we should talk to next. We are taking any and all suggestions at Zach Sang Show on any form of social media. And please be safe, hug your family, and don't go to jail. I'll talk to you real soon. Peace and love. By the way, today's episode is made possible by a few incredible humans, including our executive producers, Michael D. Ratner, Scott Ratner, Dylan Martyr, Dan Zola, Joshua Rusak, and Olivia Rodensky. Our senior director, Toby Lawless. Our associate producers, Eve Bishop and Claudia Villarreal. Our music is by James Asciutto. Our editor is Camera Carlos Gomez. Our sound mixer is Daniel Chavez-Crook. Our post-production manager is Caroline Rude. And I'm your host and executive producer, Zach Sang. Thanks for hanging out with us today. I'll talk to you real soon. <laughs>